Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teachers. Here we go. Scripture reading today, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 10. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he told them a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Other seeds still fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? So he said, well, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest, it is in parables, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is God's word. Well, it's great to be with you today. We are in the middle, well, no, we're in the middle. We're just doing a two-week mini-series called 10 Rules for Life. 10 Rules for Life. And it is geared around our missional goals. And missional goals are something we've been working on for the last three years as a church. We're three and a half years old as a church, and we've been working towards slowly but surely as an eldership coming up every few, uh, every year rather, we have a new series of missional goals that we pray over and bring together. And we now have 10 that we have collated that basically frame who we are as Encounter Church and what we do. So I'm excited to bring that to you. Um, It's exactly what it sounds like. These are just goals that help us live out our mission. Because at Encounter, we have one singular mission. It is really simple, and that is this. We exist to help you have an encounter with Jesus. That's it. That's the whole thing. We exist to help you have an encounter with Jesus. And you exist to help others have an encounter with Jesus. That's what we believe. Now, that encounter is supernatural and natural. It's both a spiritual moment and just the physical sense of somebody helping one other person, being a good neighbor. It means many, many things. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. So let me go on. Mission. It's exciting, but it still has to get done. It has to get interpreted and unpacked and executed. It's not enough just to say it. We have to actually do it. And that's what the missional goals are for. So over the next two weeks... I'll touch on them all, and I'll dig down on the ones that we're focusing on in 2022. But more than anything, what I really want to talk to over these next two weeks are our bookend goals, because we've got 10 goals, and eight of them are all equally as important as the others. But there's two that are just a little bit higher, and they are developing resilient disciples and having hearts on fire for Jesus. They are our bookend goals, our first and our last, our alpha and omega, our beginning and our end, our delta and our omicron. These are the most important ones. Let's hope they're more contagious. No, that didn't land. <laughs> Edit that out from the live video. These, these are the most important bookends because one is about resilience and the other is about passion. And in your Christian life, you will need passion and resilience. In your life, you need both these things. It's not enough just to have one or the other. So next week, we're going to dig into Hearts on Fire for Jesus and see what it means to have passion that lasts the test of time. And today we're going to talk about resilience that lasts the test of time. So last week I talked about how 2022 was going to need to be the year of courage for us in Encounter. That we're going to need to step out in faith, do things we're not comfortable with, and go places we are not prepared to go, where we've never been before. Courage like Gideon, courage like Joshua, a courage that relies on God. 
But relying on God is not enough at the, on its own because it asks several things of us. Now, let's take Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah was called by God to do something and he knew what it was. God said, go to the king and prophesy to him that it's going to rain. So Elijah's like, great, I know what I have to do. But he's still got to go and actually do it. He's got to go from where he hears from God. He's got to successfully get to the king who hated him without being killed. Then he has to gather all the prophets of Baal and sort of battle them, false God v. real God. Then he had to pray with conviction. And then the rain came. It's a combination of faith, the call of God, and stepping out and actually working and doing what God has asked you to put your hands to. You with me so far? It is always going to be a combination of those things. It's much like if God says, pray for healing, you should pray for healing. And one of the things you should do is go and see a doctor. You should know what you're asking for healing for. You should know what that means. You should ask if there's medicine that you can take alongside of which. We've been gifted with medicine and we've been gifted with the spiritual gift of healing. You with me? Both of these things are important. We've got to consider them both. So we can't just rely on God. We've got to rely on God to tell us what to do. And then we have to go out and actually do it. It's a two-part process. So our missional goals are ways in which encounters obedience to the mission of God on earth is played out to help people have an encounter with Jesus. I'm going to move quite fast, if I'm not already. I'm going to move quite fast over these next five minutes, okay? So hold tight, because we're going somewhere. The first missional goal I want to talk about today is that we are a Bible-fed and Spirit-led church. Amen. All right? Encounter is a Bible-based church that declares the truth in love, and we are a Spirit-filled church that pursues the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. We are not one of those things instead of the other. We are both at the same time. They are critical to us. We rely on the Word of God. We're led by the Spirit of God. John Tyson calls it theology that can't be ignored and power that can't be denied. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want a life where you can explain what it means to follow Jesus, but also show the supernatural signs of following Jesus? That would be powerful. That is what we seek to pursue. Second one, told you I was moving fast, contending in prayer. Contending in prayer. Jonathan's favorite one. That means that Encounter is a church that fights on its knees. Right? That's how we fight our battles in the supernatural. We know that it's only through building a prayerful relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we can experience the intimacy with God that we need and then have a supernatural encounter with God that we need. This is why we do our weekday Zoom prayers. It's like oxygen for our souls. Every weekday, 7 a.m., 15 minutes on Zoom. I want to really encourage you to jump into that. It's so simple. You don't even have to turn your video on. You don't even have to turn your audio on. You can just sit there and receive it. I was talking to somebody this week who said, I, I do it, but because I'm driving at the time, it's not heaps safe for me to you know, mute and unmute. So I just listen. I'm just there. I'm just participating in it, receiving it. Do that. That's fine. It is a great step for you. So we contend in prayer. There's two. Done. The next two missional goals are ones that we are focusing on this year. So I'll just touch on them a little bit more. When I say we focus, that means as a church council, we've said we want to allocate time, energy, budget, and prayer to this. So let me give you two, and then I'll do two more next week. 2022, kingdom-based creativity, kingdom-centered creativity, is a missional goal for Encounter Church, which means that Encounter is focused on building the kingdom of God through innovation and creativity in digital and physical ways in person and online. If we want to reach people for the kingdom of God, we must be where they are. And more people are online right now than, frankly, they even are in person. Half the people I know won't go out of the house right now, but they are online. 
In fact, if they're at home, they're very definitely online because what else are they doing? Um, so we need to make sure that we are being creative because creativity is at the heart of who we're designed to be. Yeah, right. We are created beings, yeah. created by the Creator to do creative things. Every one of you has a creative capacity within you. Some of you, you'll look up here at the worship team and you go, well, I can't do that. I'm like, great. If you could all do that, we would just be making a cacophony all the time and you'd probably be super competitive about it. But some of you make much better coffees than these guys do. And that's the people I'm interested in talking to, quite frankly. So all of you have different gifts. Like I said, creativity is important everywhere except creative accounting, which is a phrase we're not meant to use. But accountants can be creative in different ways. All of you have that gift, and we want to step into that. And of course, the main way we are pressing into that is by employing Jared as our creative pastor to assign a set part of staffing and salary and budget to that, and then free Jared up to go, how can I just see creativity blossom throughout the church? We are so thrilled for that this year. So watch this space. And uh, if if you've got a flag ministry, it's now Jared, you need to bother with that. The other new missional goal for 2022 that I want to mention today is igniting gospel movements. Igniting gospel movements. Encounter Church is an invitational church that pioneers movements and plants and grows churches. We wanted that written down so we couldn't ever avoid we, we, we wanted to make sure that we have a responsibility to plant more churches, to keep growing, to keep pressing in, to keep sowing seeds into the kingdom of God. The thing is, you can get to a church of about this size, having planted and done kind of all the hard work to get here, and now everyone's getting engaged and everyone's getting pregnant. And you're like, we could kind of coast if we want to. Kingdom of God is not about coasting. It's about dying to self following Christ, and seeing the kingdom expand in the way that God is looking for it to expand. So that is what we're about. But it's not just about planting new churches. It's about seeing movements birthed out. And this goes well with kingdom-centered creativity, because there are creative movements being birthed even now. Songwriting, we heard a bit of that last year. Things that are being birthed that are going to come out of this church, that are going to become movements across Australia and the globe. I believe that in Jesus' name. That is what God wants us to do. But the number one thing we are called to birth a movement of is invitation to meet Jesus himself. Because the gospel was the greatest movement of all. And we are participating in a movement that God has begun. We don't need to start anything. We cannot start a movement that's going to compete with that. All we can do is say, God, you tell us what to do and we'll get on with it. That's the missional goals. That's the mission and the missional goals. Tell us what to do and we will get on with it. We'll be continually seeking your face, but we want to get on with this and not waste our time. We want to continue inviting people to know Jesus personally. And maybe that's why you're here today. I pray it is. I pray it is. So those four, bang, four, done. But even if we don't write it on a poster, that one I said before is our most important missional goal, developing resilient disciples. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because culturally, we're not particularly resilient. The silver lining of COVID is we've begun to learn this, and it really is a silver lining. We don't think of that sometimes, but when you're in ISO, you learn a few things about yourself. For starters, you learn how like straight up bonkers you are when you're when you're by yourself for an extended period of time. You're stuck inside your own head, and you know you've only got yourself to talk to. If you've been in proper ISO like that, like just one person, God bless you. Like well done for making it out the other side. But you learn as well a little bit about resilience because it is hard. And we are learning that. That's our silver lining. So this is what I mean when I talk about developing resilient disciples. And then I'll start slowing down just a little bit. Developing. Discipleship, which is becoming like Jesus, is a process. That is to say, when you walk through this door, we do not expect that you've arrived. 
We never expect anything of you. You are welcome just as you are. You can belong before you believe here. And the thing is, we just believe that God loves you just as you are, but too much to stay as you are. He loves you exactly as you are. He meets you right where you are, but He wants to see you become the person that He has created you to become. Not who I want you to become or Pastor Jen, but who He has created you to become. And so that is part of developing, saying nobody has made it, but we are gonna walk with you on the journey. What about resilient then? Well, resilience I would define as the capacity to overcome with joy. Overcome with joy, to not let adversity define you and your identity. You are not what you have gone through. Let me just say that again. You are not what you have gone through. If you have been through pain or trauma or suffering, that will leave a mark, no question, but it does not define you. What defines you is your identity as a daughter or son of God. That is who you are. That is who God has made you to be, amen? He has created you for that purpose. Now, if you go through trauma, it's not about brushing it aside. That doesn't work. You can't just repress it. But it is about going, I am going to get through this. And on the other side, I will have learned resilience. I'm going to overcome with joy. The difference between being resilient and jaded is joy. Plenty of people get through trauma with folded arms and staring faces on a rocking chair in front of their lawn, just glaring across it, going, get off my lawn, you know? That's right. That's good, Yannick. I like those folded arms. That's right. You got to, dads get it. We, we know what it means to yell, get off my lawn at a bunch of rowdy teenagers. This is, this is kind of what happens when you get jaded. You get through something, but you lose a piece of yourself. You actually use, lose the joy that God has sparked in you that he wants you to hold on to. Resilience is getting to the other side and still having that joy. And finally, disciples. Well, disciples are simply lifelong, mature followers of Jesus. It's one of those words we talk about a lot in the church. We don't define it very much. Lifelong, that's what a disciple is. Mature, mature. We grow followers of Jesus. That's what we're about, following Jesus. People whose lives are changed by what Jesus has done for them. So that means disciples aren't people who just add church to the calendar. They are people who become church. They become the people of God. Church is not a place we go to. It's a people we become. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. We step into that for our whole life and it transforms not only us, but actually the whole world. That's what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to develop resilient disciples. This is the reason that it's our number one goal. There's nothing more important than that. There's nothing more important in your life than becoming a resilient disciple. Nothing. I've got three kids, happily married. There's nothing more important in my life than becoming a resilient disciple myself. Because when I am a resilient disciple, I am more equipped to deal with the ups and downs of having kids and being in a marriage and working a job and having family and friends and everything that comes with it. Do you know what I mean? We need to have resilience to get through the other side of this. That's the goal, to develop resilient disciples. So how are we going to do that? That's a good question. Thank you for asking and submitting it and writing it on my document here in front of me. How is Encounter going to equip you to be a resilient disciple this year? The primary way is through helping you to have healthy community. Now, if you have not worked out in the last two years that you need healthy community, me telling you again is not going to help you. But in the last two years, all of us have been more isolated than we've ever been. Many of us still are. And if you're in online church at the moment, I know, I know some of you at home, you're stuck in ISO. It's really painful. 
And, and I pray, if nothing else, it's a spark to remind you of the joy and presence and importance of community. We can't wait to have you back with us. We miss you when you're not here. But community is for you and you are for community. It is very helpful. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, the scriptures say, it's like iron sharpening iron. That is, it's like when you sharpen a set of steak knives and you're just getting them beautifully sharp so that they can cut through and do exactly what they need to do. Now, the thing is, when iron sharpens iron, sometimes sparks fly, right? And that's part of the thing that happens when people get really close and challenge and grow one another because the reason sparks fly is when iron sharpens iron and when people grow in healthy community and when they become disciples of Jesus is you are meant to have both invitation that is, hey, you're welcome, we love you, God is for you, and He is and challenge, invitation and challenge. The invitation is the love. We all love the invitation part. You are welcome here. You can belong before you can believe. All this stuff is true, but it's not true on its own. It's invitation and this idea of challenge that says, hey, belong before you believe. Take up your cross and follow me. (laughs) You are welcome just as you are. If you really want to follow Jesus, you will need to die to yourself. These are the challenges. These are the things we hold in tension. The gospel is tension, friends. If it seems too easy, it's probably not the gospel. It is always tension. It is truth and love. It is invitation and it is challenge. This is how it works. And this is the kind of community we're trying to forge for you. We're doing that in four ways this year. The first one you are probably familiar with, and that is life groups. We love life groups at Encounter Church. We We are not a church with life groups. We're a church... Very good, very good. This is how you know everything's landing and people are memorizing your catchphrases. Let me say once again for the camera, we are not a cult. <laughs> the thing is, it, it, we are desperate for you to connect into regular community that's not just here on a Sunday. Because this is kind of monologue right? I stand up, I, I, I talk to you, I inform you. It's one of the ways we learn, it's helpful, but by itself it isn't enough. We need to gather around one another in challenging and invitational community. And if you commit to a weekly life group, and you are, so we do them during the uni term, if you commit to that and you are there, let's say, like eight out of 10 weeks, you will, at the very least, develop strong friendships. Like at the very least, that is what you'll do. Now, you'll need to actually invest. That means you'll need to turn up and then participate. Like, if you sit in a corner and you come late and leave early and then you're like, I feel like people don't talk to me. It's like, well, maybe you should also contribute something, right? You can be nervous the first week. After that, just, just start to share a bit about your life. Like, your surname. Like, crazy things like that. Like, just, just participate. But more likely, if you're part of a regular life group, and a life group is a group of 6 to 12 people who meet weekly, during the uni semester, and, and they'll pray together and read the Bible together, more likely it'll become a spiritual discipline that'll transform your life. It'll build you up. Yeah. Life groups are amazing. And if you're over 30, I want to really encourage you would, would you plug into a life group as well? Because some of our healthiest life groups are the intergenerational ones. Yeah. If you're a young mum or you're about to be, let me encourage you bring your baby with you to life group. Yeah. It is good for you. It's good for your kid. It's good for the group itself because they learn what it means to follow Jesus with interruptions. What? Life isn't always flawless. Babies cry sometimes. Yeah, it's okay. And that's healthy for everybody. And the beauty of babies is most of the time, you can just put them in a portico and they're pretty chill. They might cry for a bit and everyone will deal with it. It's okay. So take a couple of weeks off, you know, get out of the hospital, but then become part of a life group. Now, for some of you, Maybe you need something different. 
a life group's not where you're at in your stage of life or, or just who you are, what you need. And so we are introducing chords, chords. Chords are our new thing in Encounter Church. Groups of three people that are knotted together. So for those of you who are looking to tap into the life group mentality in a new, different, more flexible way, we're instigating groups of three people who will pray together, read scripture, and share their lives. Now, this is from Ecclesiastes 4. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Three people together, challenging one another, bringing one another together, moving one another along, that is going to cause incredible growth in you. The thing about joining a cord is because it's a smaller group, trust comes faster. You only need, there's only three of you. You'll get to trust each other pretty quickly. The difficulty is you can sort of hide in a life group. You cannot hide in a cord. This is life on life stuff. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. He traveled with them everywhere. There was no hiding. And this is kind of the mentality behind a cord. These are the people you travel with everywhere. So we'd love you to be thinking and praying about joining either a life group or a cord. And we're going to have sign-ups in the next couple of weeks available. I think next Sunday we'll have them available. That's right. Next Sunday we'll have them available. They'll be through the website. And we want you to just think and pray. Maybe God's calling you to jump into a life group or jump into a cord this year and start one of those. We can't wait for that. Two more. The buddy system. The buddy system is what I call having a spiritual friend. A, a friend that knows Everything you're going through, what you're experiencing, what you're struggling with, what you're tempted by, everything. And they carry you through it in Jesus' name. You carry their burdens, they carry yours. It is crucial that you guys can have somebody who does that in your life. And if you feel like you can only go sort of 80% with that person, you're not there yet. You're just, you're just not there in what I'm talking about. We need to have people that can actually bear our burdens. This isn't a figure of speech. I don't know how many of you have struggled with mental health in one way or another in the last couple of years. I hope you have taken the time to see a counsellor or psychologist. I hope you have also found close friends who you can share that burden with and then they can share their burdens with you. When you share your burdens, it's amazing what can happen. Number one, it it lifts something from you. There's no shame or or fear anymore. And number two, it's not just you dumping on somebody, it's, it's you helping one another. You ever get that feeling where you're like, I just... I don't want to be that person who's always burdening the other person. Well, then don't. Share the burden. That's the idea of the buddy system, okay? Everybody get a buddy and move on towards Jesus. So who do you have in your life who you can invest in as a spiritual friend? That's what I'd want to ask you for 2022. That's the buddy system. Okay, so far, everything you've heard me say, pretty simple, pretty relational, right? It's not very complicated. Get in a life group or get in a cord and make sure you go to buddy. Easy. Now let me introduce to you building a discipling culture. We have been traveling as a church for the last 12 months in this, just sort of under the radar. The elders know about it, and there's a group of six of us that have been gathering, gathering together fortnightly to ask the question, what does it mean to be and to create a disciple of Jesus? We want to know how to do it from, from go to woe. We want to know how to get people when they don't know Jesus and introduce Jesus as a person to them. It's something that's very, very important to us. We've been doing that as our first cohort, our first group, but we are ready for our second and third. And so we are so excited to invite you into that opportunity. Now, what we're going to do is next month, we are going to have an information session. It's going to be not on a Sunday during a weeknight, so it's opt-in. And I would love to see that as packed out as we can make it, of people who are excited to learn about what it might mean to be part of a BDC cluster. And here is why. One of the most common fears I hear as a pastor, I have to scratch to get to it because people won't say it straight up, is this. 
I know I should share my faith, but I'm afraid. I know I'm meant to share the life of Jesus and what that's done in me with other people, but I'm nervous. I don't know how. I'm I'm just afraid to do it. This will equip you to do that. It will give you opportunities and tools to help you share your faith. So if that's you, and there are people in your life who you're praying for, but you don't, you don't know how to translate that from the call of God in prayer into action in you communicating that, this is for you. And so I just want to encourage you, keep your ears open. This is going to be an amazing thing. And as the stories start filtering back of how people's lives have been changed, I, I think this is going to be something that rolls through the church powerfully. So I'm really excited for our next BDC group. Okay, band, you guys can come back up. And as we come to a close, let's look at today's scripture. (laughs) Everything we've looked at today centers around Jesus' vision for us as resilient disciples. Everything. Everything in your life requires resilience and it will require you to follow Jesus. It's more important than you realize. This passage is a challenging one to look at because it brings our discipleship into focus and it asks questions of ourselves. How are we doing, honestly? What kind of disciple are we? Because in the parable of the sower, we see a sower scattering seed. And the passage tells us that the seed lands on different kind of ground. It lands on stony ground, like a path. Then it lands on shallow, gra- uh, shallow soil with, with rocks in it. it. It springs up a bit, but dies quickly. Then it tells us it lands in pretty good soil, but there are thorns around and the thorns choke it. And finally, there is just good, good soil. Now, Jesus explains to us, we are the soil and the word of God is the seed. But there are two things he doesn't make clear. The first is this, who is sowing the seed? Because I think by default, we assume that the sower is God. Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible does not say that. It just says the sower is sowing the seed. You know how we get seeds? From healthy trees, from healthy plants. That's you, that's me. The responsibility to sow the seed, it's God's word and has been placed in our hands to communicate. That's why you want BDC. Uh, The Bible doesn't say that. And so here's the thing. The seeds can be sown by anybody that's already fruitful. Healthy plants reproduce more seeds and healthy disciples reproduce more disciples. We're meant to multiply. How's your multiplication going, church? How's your disciple making going? And the second thing is this, and this is the challenging part, right? What kind of soil are we really? Like that's the part we want to ask ourselves. Because Jesus talks about these soil options. He runs us through the options and he leaves it with us. Because the kind of soil that you are is largely up to you. Now, it might not be in the beginning. You might have started with a competitive disadvantage. You might have grown up in a place where people have constantly told you again and again, Jesus isn't real. Religion is for people who need a sky fairy, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of insults out there. You might have started with that disadvantage. And so it it has been harder for you to till the soil and make it easy for God's word to land there. But it is your responsibility what to do when when the word of God lands in the soil. When you hear the good news that Jesus not only came to earth as God to become flesh for you, to live to teach, to perform miracles, to live a full life we were meant to live, to take upon himself the punishment and death we were meant to die so that he could overcome the power of death, sin and the grave, to be resurrected as the firstborn of the new creation. And the new creation is us. 
if you've never heard that before, here's the seed. Now, what kind of soil are you? See, those kinds of soil, that first kind of soil, if it lands on the the path, sometimes that's really painful. There are people we pray for, we desperately want them to know Jesus and they just won't have it. And at some point, you've got to let them go. That's not to say you stop praying for them, but you've just got to let them, you've got to give them the dignity to say no to you. It's very painful. You have to allow that. God's not, not done with them, but you've got to let them go. Maybe there's someone in your life like that today. But maybe you are the shallow soil because the shallow soil people are the heartbreakers. They're the people where the seed lands in the soil and it springs up quickly and we get very, very excited as a church. We start celebrating that and we celebrate maybe a little bit too quickly. We should celebrate when people give their life to Jesus. But sometimes there is just not enough of the root system to dig down and our job as the church needs to be to help them have better soil so the roots can dig deep. That's what we need to do with kids and youth and young adults. We need to be getting around you as older generations to support you and strengthen you so that you can have a healthy system so that you can grow and flourish in Christ. That is the desperate need of God for you. But maybe that was you. Maybe at one stage you heard the Word of God and you got excited, but only for a minute. And then you've walked away and you're just coming back or you're working it out and and you're in this awkward place because you feel a bit ashamed about it or a bit embarrassed or you're not sure what you feel. Tonight is your night. God wants you to come home, receive the Word again. But the ones that should really be the heartbreakers are the ones in the thorns. They should be the heartbreakers because these are people who know the goodness of God. They have tasted it. They have seen that God is real, His Word is true, and that He's alive in us. But life happens. The thorns of life gather around and choke us. That is, Jesus, Jesus puts it in a very specific way. He says it's, it's the riches And it's the, where am I? Sorry. The worries, riches, and pleasures of life. The worries, riches, and pleasures of life. And so many of those people hear about Jesus and they stay in church and live like nothing has happened. The challenge for us is to ask ourselves in the depths of our hearts, is that me? Have I allowed the seed, the Word of God to take root in me? And then have I just left it aside and let the worries and cares of life overtake me? What do I fear? What do I honour more than the living God? Got to be very careful, church. Remember, invitation and challenge. Invitation and challenge. But let me encourage you as well. What I love about this church is the good soil I see. What I love about Encounter Church is again and again, people that put their hand up and say, God, I am here for you. I will start again. I'm ready. These are good soil people. And the Word of God says that when this falls on that kind of soil, the crop that comes is not the same amount. It's not one disciple makes another disciple. In fact, it's not even like it doubles. It multiplies a hundredfold. For you, if you're here and it's landing on good soil, you've got to know, you may not even be realising it, but God is doing a work in you and through you. He is challenging you and He's transforming your life, but He's doing it in a way that you'll begin to not even know what's happening. And you'll have encounters with people and then you'll share those stories and people will say to you, that's not normal. You just prayed for a person at the bus stop and you're like, ah, yeah, I, I, I always do that. Is that not normal? Well, that's not normal. You just shared your faith with your friend like that. It's like, yeah, why would I not do that? Because God has transformed you. 
You've done the work on the soil. You are responsible for the soil. God is responsible for the seed. What are you going to do about it? Church, every single one of you has the capacity right now to prepare that soil for God's Word. And I say that not just because I think it's right, but because I think it works. I don't just think it's true. I think it's transformational. It will not just be true in your life. It will change your life. But you got to let it, you got to till the soil. You got to do the work. You got to get in there, rip out the roots. It is hard work. It is painful. And some of you will have to overcome such obstacles. But that church is resilience. That's what it is. Unless you overcome an obstacle, you will not be resilient. Your faith will never have been tested. And rest in this, Jesus went there first. He did it all for you. He suffered. He died on your behalf and He rose from the grave. Why is that so important? Oh, apart from the eternal life part. Because resilience is a little resurrection. Resilience is a little resurrection. When you've learned resilience, it means you've overcome a small death in your life. That is something that could be a block. It could stop you. It could prevent you from taking hold of Jesus Christ and pressing on. But if you've discovered the gift of resilience, if you've overcome with joy, you have pressed on and you've taken hold of Jesus, not because you haven't had any problems, but in spite of them. And you've overcome with joy. And those people are the ones who change the world. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.